Demons Discuss, TV show reviews, season two, episode two. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie with me, Angela and Jean. Hello. 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 And what are we talking about today, Angela? We're talking about episode two of Discovery of Witches, season two. Ooh, anything else? (laughs) (laughs) Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Yes. Every episode is jam-packed with stuff. Don't even know where to start except at the beginning. (laughs) Well, before we do that, let's pay our bills. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. This podcast is sponsored by very generous listeners. They help us pay for all the stuff it takes to run a podcast, media hosting, website hosting, file storage, programs and apps, image and music licensing, postage, recording equipment, hardware, all of it. Best of all, we're able to keep our podcast and website ad-free. And that's really good. So, Jean, why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to be a patron? Yeah! Because, because it is a badge of honor. It is access to our demented minds that you visit on the off weeks during our after show. <laughs> it is surprises in your mailbox as you move up the levels as far as swag and our demon roulette which God only knows every quarter the prize packages get bigger and bigger. (laughs) And and we do get to them eventually when we remember them. Yes. They're not always timely, but they're always there. (laughs) Each quarter is accounted for. Just not on time. (laughs) And if you guys are interested, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. So in this episode, we're going to attempt to only talk about what's presented to us on screen. Any comparisons we have to the book, we will save it for the spoiler zone. So those of you who haven't read the book yet, and you don't mind, you can continue on into the spoiler zone. Those of you who don't want to be spoiled and you haven't read the books and you don't want to hear about the comparisons, we will warn you prior to going into the spoiler zone. Any questions, guys? Yes? No? Maybe? Sounds good. Sounds good. We'll do our best. (laughs) We'll do our best. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So today, our random patron sponsor. I need a drum roll. Our random patron sponsor today is Michelle Gutierrez. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much, Michelle. All right. Where am I starting with this thing? <laughs> See, that's why I had problems. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you know what it is? I'm so excited. I'm almost like just the adrenaline oh. is like, I don't know. I'm just angsty. <laughs> like I, I need to just let it all out, but I need to do it in a timely fashion. <laughs> Oh, I just want to explode. It's so good. All of this. Well, here's where we can start. We can start the wagon like we normally do. Not let these TV episodes fluster us. Let's just do it. Oh, but we're fun flustered. (laughs) Get in the car, Gene. (laughs) This is the page page in Us magazine. Demons, they're just like us. All right, we're opening and we are with Sarah and M and they are discussing the Coven in Madison and people likely to snitch on them, you know. (laughs) She never liked me. She could have given me away in two seconds. I so relate to Sarah because she is just peak cranky right now. I love it. You know what? I do go through these episodes and go, that's Val. That's Jean. That's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
I, I first I thought, am I Sarah? I'm like, no, I'm not Sarah. I'm like, I'm more M. Like, no one even knows where they are. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so playing the role of Sarah today was there was Jean. I will own it. It's like she was borrowing trouble, and like I said, she was just peak cranky, and I just related to that in the moment. And then I was kind of like, M, what are you doing with that page? Why doesn't the house have it? Right. <laughs> so then I was peak cranky. Oh. Knox will find us here. I can feel it. The coven will not tell Knox anything. Mary Johnson always hated me. I bet she snitched right away. None of them even know where Diana and Matthew have gone. Yeah, and they could be dead for all we know. This page is connected to Diana. They must have answers for us. That book started this whole nightmare. Don't you want to know why? So they have the page, like you said, Jean, and Sarah's her main thing was, well, th- this whole started with the book. And M's like, that book is nothing but trouble. Yes. M's like, but don't you want to know what's going on here? Like, come on. So scene change. Now we're with Isabeau and she's all complaining about dining with Sarah and M. Like the witches are coming to dinner. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And Mart sets her straight. And I like that. She ain't hearing it. She's like, Matthew wouldn't want you to welcome them mm-hmm. and make them yeah. feel like they're at home. So what I love the best about this is how Mark picks up on the thread that we left off with Kit in a way, because she says, if Matthew has evolved, we can too. Yes. Yes. And then the question becomes, has he? <laughs> but has he really? Has he though? <laughs> and which is amazing because the scene changes are perfect because uh-huh. right after that, they do a scene change and we're back in 1590 and Matthew's walking into an interrogation from... Oh, damn, that dagger swagger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like backed it up and watched it three or four times. Oh my God. Fan myself, I people. think you've just created a new hashtag. Dagger swagger? Yes. I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like it. Okay, so the... Lord Burley, I guess, is questioning this person. They want to know if witches are conspiring against the queen. Mm. And then more torture commences after that. Cecil, he he's not a good dude. He's not very he's nice. He's so not a good dude. But we'll get more into that in the spoiler zone. Yeah. So we fly into the opening music and we are in Finland, present day. It's like, we're, this is like a fast open. We're like cut, cut, cut. Yes. Yeah. She's going to visit an older lady, grandmother or mother. What did you guys figure? Mother? Mother. 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 Satu came to learn why she wasn't taught about being a weaver. Sounds familiar, right? Yes. Pretty familiar to me. Yeah. Because Diana's going through the same drama. Diana's, of course, a little more dramatic about it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But at least Satu has somebody she can ask the questions of. And I think her mom was like, "Uh, yeah, I was just trying to keep you safe over here. We've heard that before, too. Yes. So the difference is one was spellbound. One was isolated in this place in Finland that nobody Mm -hmm. knows about until Peter. Forest witch. Yeah. (laughs) But the weird thing about Satu here is this, like she says, I just want to learn and understand. But I got that undercurrent of like, yeah, this is a good power to have. And I really need need to know all about it. I need to master. Yes. Which is not dissimilar from Diana. Right. But I think Satu's use of it might be a little more pragmatic than Diana. Let's (laughs) just put it that way. Right. And she'd be less hesitant to use her magic. Mm -hmm. But you you get the sense from both Diana and Satu that they've always suspected they were different. They didn't know how they were different. Mm -hmm. And they're both eager to find out. And then, like you said, what they'll use that knowledge and power for remains to be seen. Yeah. Let's keep in mind that Satu is a Scorpio and Diana's a Leo. So... 
it might be more alike than you think. Yeah. yeah. And she was, and Satsu was a little, little more upfront about being pissed too. Yeah. Diana just like got pouty, but she was like, you know, this is she, not cool. She seemed pretty pissed on the porch though. Yeah. Oh, Diana? Yes. Yeah. But in a pouty kind of way, whereas Satsu was like, this needs to be fixed now. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of looked at both of them and I was like, this is the same journey. It's just yeah. Yeah, two it different creatures doing it. And just strictly from what we know in the, in the TV show, it seems like families with weavers are isolated and they're just doing the best they can. I mean, going to great extremes to protect the weaver children. Right. Yes, I would agree entirely. And now that I think about it, how different is that than like human parents with demons? It's mm-hmm. like, what do I even do with this child? Yeah. Hmm. Something to think on. Hmm. Mm. See, now I'm thinking. No. It's like, <laughs> wow. Wow. You can cut this part out. Do we know about Blood Rage yet in the TV show at this point? Mm, think so. Okay. Not yet. I, I'm way ahead of myself. So didn't Jerbear mention it? I know. Now we met this coming. I was like, that's why I'm confused. I'm like, Jerbear brings it up, brings it into the mix first. And their blood. Yeah. They did mention that, like Isabeau mm-hmm. and the scourge in yeah. her blood. But okay. Okay. So now we're back in 1590. Francoise is dressing Diana and they're discussing getting a teacher. Francoise is like, oh, don't worry, Matthew will find you a teacher. And Diana's like, no, this is a matter between witches. Should be. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I loved how much of a story they told without saying anything with the way Francoise was helping her get dressed. I mean, you Mm -hmm. got to see the components of what she was wearing, the stomacher, the apron, the shift. And I like that. And all the detail, especially that was on the apron that only a portion of it shows from the overskirt was just beautiful. I mean, Sarah, she did a lot of work there. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just Francoise saying, don't worry, Matthew, I'll find you a teacher yeah. just shows me how much faith and loyalty she has to the Declaremonts or to Matthew and how much mm-hmm. you know faith she has in him. But to me as a viewer, I'm like, uh, not even counting the books. I don't know how comfortable I'd feel. I went with Diana, basically. I don't know how comfortable I'd feel with Matthew trying to find a witch teacher because he's a vampire. He's a spy that is working for Elizabeth. Yeah. And he doesn't even know what he's looking for. I mean, not that Diana does, but I think she'd have better instinct. Yeah, I mean, and just what we saw in the last episode between him and Burley going back and forth, and he's already being called, his loyalty's already being called into question, and the fact that we've got witches in Barrack that they're worried about. And, mm-hmm. and he's not quiet. He's not someone who doesn't attract attention, as we saw when they walked through the street in episode one. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, you can't do anything quietly. Also, part of him would be like, we already saw, he's pretty demanding of mm-hmm. the witch, and that's how mm-hmm. he's used to dealing with most witches anyway. Well, I think most, most people. people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he would coax somebody to teach Diana and give her what she needs properly. No. no. And I mean this in a positive sense of the word. He doesn't know how to manipulate people. Yeah. He's yeah, no, I know what you're He can't cajole people. He's not a sweet talker. No, yeah. not a charmer. In that yes. way, no. I'm sure he can be charming, but oh, yeah. but when he needs something done, he hasn't finessed that part of his personality yet. Yeah. He's charming when he's relaxed, and I think that's his natural state. But to deploy it as a weapon against somebody, that doesn't strike me as a Matthew de Claremont move. No. Yeah. One of his avenues is coming from a place of power, and that's where he can mess things mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Then we're sitting with the boys, and they suggest hanging out with Mary. And we're like, Mary who? What? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and she may know some witches. 
Do you guys think it's because she was a woman that they thought that or? They thought because she was a woman and then even more so because we find out that Mary's hobby is alchemy. Yeah. Mm. Yep. The inn was being Philip Sidney's sister and that granted her a lot of respect, but then she's also an alchemist. I didn't wasn't expecting to see Mary this. I certainly wasn't. Ex- I wasn't expecting to see Mary at all, but then to see her this early in the show. Yeah. And Amanda Hale was just like, oh, yeah. Wow. Did you not was... recognize her immediately? You know, Mary. she's not. It's like she, it's like she came right out of the Hilliard miniature. <laughs> yeah. Down to the down to the little thing on her head. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I had said. If you if you Google her, that's the first image that comes up. So for people who don't know who she is, they Google it. Oh, exactly. Mary Sydney. Mm-hmm. And the hair. Oh, I was I was it was just like this. The miniature came to life and I was it was so delightful. Yeah. But I mean, did you know, did you not recognize uh, the actress right away? Because she's in so many good things. Yes. I didn't. Yes. I'm like, I've seen her before. I've seen her before. She was in the last Star Wars, in fact. Yes. But I recognized her from Ripper Street. She was mm-hmm. Emily Reed. I recognized her as Margaret Beaufort, Henry Tudor's mother in, I don't remember which one that was. I think it was the White Queen. Maybe it was the Red Queen. Yeah, and it was then, the White Queen. And then she was in Crimson and the Crimson and the White, I think. The one about the Victorian prostitutes. Yeah. And she was also in Spooks. So it always goes back to... Oh, it all goes back to Spooks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't recognize her. I was just like, uh, Mary Sydney, I guess. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, jumpy claps, Mary Sydney. As we're recording this, of course, you know, ahead of the season, I looked on IMDB and she's not listed on there, but I looked, I just looked around a little bit and she is listed with the Mary Sydney role on her agent's website. Ah, got it. Yeah, some agents don't think updating IMDB is a priority. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. So now we're in Mary Sidney's solar and they're just having a little chit chat. I understand you are a fellow student of alchemy. I'm more an enthusiastic reader. Diana is being far too modest. She's an accomplished scholar, Mary. You could assist me if your duties at home permit. So many things get in the way of study. I couldn't agree more. So, you and I have an easier time than most women do. We have our books, pleasure to indulge our passion, thank God. Wasn't that such a wonderful? Yes. Yes. Okay, I have to say, though, they both take a seat and she keeps moving. And I know why she keeps moving her foot, but I'm, I didn't think it was necessary. I'm like, what is she got, like, restless leg syndrome? What's going on there? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people are nervous when they meet new people. I mean... <laughs> bounce their leg up and down. I don't know. She had too much of Walter's coffee. (laughs) All I know is they put Diana in this fucking trance and she's like, whoa, and fixating on the shoe. And it was a wonderful shoe. I need a pair of those shoes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The shoe incident. Let's talk about that. In the TV show, I had to stop myself. Yes. In the TV show, a singular snake comes right off of the shoe. And were you surprised that Diana just like, hey, picked it up. It's like, yeah, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even Matthew. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it looks like it just slithered in. Came from in from the garden. No big deal. And Mary's like, oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> and then he, I loved how she just like handed it off to the servant, like do something with this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he shows up. He's like this again. You know, <laughs> These damn snakes. <laughs> and Diana just handled that. So it was like almost too perfectly. It's like, wait, she She's not, she was like acting like she had been raised with servants and it was just like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, everyone seemed quite embarrassed. Like everyone knew what what just happened. No one wanted to admit yeah. what just happened, and everyone just wanted to carry on like it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that weird thing with the shoe. Hmm. <laughs> what oh, weird thing with the shoe? Thing. You mean the snake that came in from the garden? That yeah. <laughs> it just happened to come out from under Mary's skirt that she never realized it was like. Mm. snaking around her feet <laughs> and Diana just picks it up snaking. like oh here cute baby snake and I'm like yeah. oh <laughs> I'm like there's nothing cute about that baby snake get right. it out of there so again Diana's like I don't know how I did that and uh, Matthew's like yeah it's okay well let me talk my way out of this you know mm-hmm. and he just flat out says yeah Mary we need a witch I mean whoa hello yeah open how do you recover that, from though? that incident though so let's just get to the point yeah. <laughs> as you can see you're right back to, back to the whole not using car- charm to cajole people no yes. like, yeah so we need a witch um and mary's like uh, i don't know any witches what are you talking about why would i know a witch yeah, that's yeah. crazy i learned what you are for my brother as a child i understood it to be a fable that is how i would like to keep it you would deny the truth of creatures like Diana. We will trouble you no further. Why can't we go on as before? Because I love Diana and I want to see her secure. Well, why can't we just pretend like nothing happened and just be friends? Go back to the way things were. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not going back to the way things were after that shit. A snake just came off your shoe. Hello. I don't know. But we do find out that Mary's all, all well aware of the creatures in the world. She doesn't specifically mention demons, but she did say that she, that Philip, her brother, told her what Matthew is when right. she was a child. And she prefers to ignore that fact. <laughs> <laughs> Pish posh didn't exist. La, 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 la. I didn't hear you. All right, guys. Next scene. Matthew's going to see Burley again, but he's wearing a cape, so it's better. Yay. I love that. It's always, capes make everything better. There's another hashtag. <laughs> so the big concern in this conversation was English witches turning on the queen. You guys have any thoughts about that? I was shocked to find out that Matthew Royden tortured Agnes Sampson. Yeah. Without he, going yeah, further, his, yeah. his old life is kind of like starting to make me raise my eyebrows yeah. some. Mm. Well, I mean, Hamish wasn't lying. <laughs> oh, no. No. What did you guys think when Burley is directing Matthew to extract a confession by any means necessary? Uh, I, I'm starting to think that Burley's agenda is not necessarily the Queen's agenda. Expand on that, please. When he and Matthew are talking, it's like he, I almost get the feeling that Burley's trying to eliminate Matthew in order to solidify his own influence as the only influence over the Queen. Ah, It feels like a power move as opposed to he and Matthew work together to keep the Queen on the even keel. Right. I'm just not liking Lord Burley at all, quite frankly. (laughs) I don't know. I I can only put it in, uh, to make sense of it in my mind, in in a corporate sense. So Matthew has co-managers, <laughs> the right. Queen and Burley. And, Bur- and to my mind, Burley wants to eliminate any possible problem because he doesn't want to deal with the next level manager, which is right. the queen. Right. So yeah. Matthew, you'd get it done. And if you don't, then it's your fault. Yeah, I like it. But not having a co-manager at all is an even better way to take care of it. Yes. Mm. He's not. He's chafing at the idea of having a co-manager. 
So his orders are clear. He's got to get a confession from this witch by any means necessary so we can take care of this stuff. On the way back home with all this shit, Father Hubbard's messengers inform Matthew to see him and bring his witch. At this point, we hadn't met Father Hubbard, so we don't know who he is. We just know there's these two messengers out of the blue. Like three. Three. Oh, I missed yeah. the third. We got the young man, Amon Corner. Was he Amon Corner? That was Amon Corner. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'd write the credits. <laughs> <laughs> we get Matthew in a hat, too. Yeah. Oh, that hat was so jaunty. I, I could really not stop thinking it. about Christopher Plummer and Sound of Music. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or that white hat that Matthew tended to wear in on the wine show last yes, season. Yes, yes. Some men wear hats well. He's one of them. He is one of them. He's got to bring the witch. I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. It's like it, Hubbard wants to see him. And if you're coming in strictly as a TV viewer, like, who, wait, what? Who? Huh? What is Especially going on? Especially when Matthew says, I'll get to him when I get to him. And he's like, no, you'll get to him tonight. Yeah. Then you're like, who is this guy? Before the bells toll seven. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we flash straight to Matthew explaining Hubbard to Diana. And Oh, no, no, no. You skipped over our Pierre. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> this, was, this was Pierre's big moment. I barely moment noticed, to look I barely noticed him. <laughs> this was Pierre's big moment to look worried. Oh. This was his, his worried cameo. I'll make sure I get a screenshot of that and put it in the show notes so I do notice it next time. Yes, because we flash back and Matthew's up in his secret office and then Diana comes bounding up. In that lovely robe, she has her her sleeping garb, or whatever you want to call it. That's right. It is beautiful. Okay. So then we flash to Matthew trying to explain Hubbard to Diana. He warns her not to offer blood. And Diana wants to know why. She hadn't heard about this from Matthew. And he's just chock full of excuses. Like, no big deal. We have kind of an agreement. And he kind of has this family, but he takes their blood and he's not making a lot of sense to me if I'm coming into this fresh. He's like basically explaining, it's like this dude's running like an Elizabethan Scientology outfit on the corner. (laughs) (laughs) His understanding of Hubbard's origin story talks about how Hubbard was proselytizing divine resurrection and how he is, he kind of used his whole making as a vampire and the fact nobody knows who made him and Mm -hmm. he it's kind of like a centerpiece of his Con. Yeah. Yes. And that's how it sounded. After all this, Kit offers words of wisdom, which, okay, I'm going to break into it and say, as a book reader, I was not expecting this side of Kit at all. So it was interesting watching him give sound advice <laughs> versus just being a hot mess in the books, you know? I, well, and I, I'm going to get into the books, but I think we have to take it that this is Kit. This is TV Kit. This is, there is no other Kit. This is Kit. Yes. If you know what I'm saying. Kit. Yeah, because it's it's a third party omniscient. It's, it's not a colored kit by a singular character's point of view. Absolutely. But I am with you throughout this whole episode. It, it, he wants to counsel Matthew and his advice seems sound to keep him out of trouble. It, oh, yeah. It's kind of like, dude, I'm living what happened. You're not remembering it. Mm-hmm. That bit of advice that he gives is the soundest of all. You, you're a time spinner. You, you know the future, but you've forgotten the past and you need to re-inhabit your old life before you get yourself killed. Yes. Because yes. Matthew is just playing at being Matthew. He's not being Matthew. And that is probably sounder advice than we ever even got from Hamish. Don't do anything by halves. It's also a, a advice of the times to survive. 
Uh, mm-hmm. That's your your main oh, yeah. goal. <laughs> if anything, Kit is a survivor. That's yes. what he's doing here. Okay, so off the Hubbards we go, and it's Diana and Matthew traveling through the alleys and all the creepy places. Check another one off our wish list. <laughs> so you know, going through the dark alleys, and we're entering into Hubbard's uh, chamber lair. It's uh, a lair. It's a crypt. It's a lair. Hubbard notices Diana's heartbeat. It's like thump, 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 thump. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, what's happening? And next thing you know, he bum rushes Diana. He's like right in her face, like vampires over there. And, you know, you hear the growling and Matthew's like, uh, your hands are on something that belongs to me. Hello. Mm-hmm. And Hubbard's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that they made Hubbard look kind of like Rasputin. A little bit. It was yeah. not how I pictured, but no. it's good. It works no. out for me. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, yep. That move was dangerous, th- him bum-rushing Diana. I mean, so it kind of tells the viewer that either he's not afraid of Matthew, he's not afraid of the Claremonts, or he's reckless himself. Yeah. But I don't think it's the, it's the latter. I think it's the former more so than the latter. Yes. Visually and everything we were getting, it did not appear as though Hubbard was reckless. No. No, he was provoking. Yes. So there's that. I mean, he notices Diana's scar and I was like, ah, shit. Here we go. Yeah, so much for her her (laughs) taking Matthew's advice and making sure she hides it. Yeah. Nope. So Hubbard pretty much dresses them down, which I was there for. Anyway, I'm a big Hubbard fan, so I was like, yeah, tell them how stupid they've been. Monsieur de Clermont. I permit your presence because of my treaty with your father, Philippe. But you flout our customs. Allow this witch to roam. Then there's the marks. Relationship between a witch and a weir is sin enough. But this... If the witches find you took blood without consent, you'll be put to death. If she gave it willingly, then she will be cast out of England. Oh, fear not. He offers Diana's spot in his flock. There's that. He's not without. She was eager to offer that. <laughs> He's yeah. like, hey, if you are you got me watching after you, it's cool. I got your back. And of course, Di- Matthew's not having it. Everybody wants to like run and tell Philippe. Yeah. And having not met Philippe yet, we have to wonder about this Philippe guy. Mm-hmm. Right. What I thought was really interesting is in Diana's hurry to make sure that she gave her blood consensually, all she managed to do was basically tell everybody that she forced it on Matthew without his consent. I'm like, right, right. Yeah, that's a pretty freaking mixed message. I'm not sure I'm on board for all this. And so when she goes on, she tells her story and she just lays it out. She's just like, here, this is what it is. Father Hubbard's like, yeah, okay, you're forgiven for that, I guess. You know, it's no big yeah. deal. Do you know what it reminded me of? What? This little timestamp when we're recording this. The whole kind of brouhaha about the Bridgertons, the dubious consent issues in those books where basically the the man is uh, forced to completion without his consent, shall we say? Mm. In the books, at least. And some people are want to call that, well, she raped him because she was trying to get pregnant mm. without him being on board with it. I mean, that's kind of how Diana explains how this all happened. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I willingly gave my blood, but he didn't want to take it and I kind of like forced him not to die. So I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about it because 
if Matthew had his all the wherewithal and his wits about him, I don't think mm-hmm. he would have taken it just because Matthew's Matthew and he's not worthy and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But primal Matthew, yes, instinct would have kicked yeah. in. Yeah. And she was counting on that. Yes. Kind of what happens, you know, to frame it as this big consent, you know, in the terms of, yeah, well, and Hubbard's question was in the terms of consent. And then she goes off and says all that. It's kind of like, well, you just talked yeah. in They're a circle. They're all very self-satisfied, but we have questions about it. <laughs> yes. But we can move on because then the next thing that happens is kind of strange, too. So Hubbard accepts her act of mercy and Hubbard and God are both watching. So, well, Hubbard accepted on God's behalf and it was like, wow, this is like the very end of being in the confessional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very Catholic confessional to me. Ted Hail Mary's and you're good. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> For him to say God is watching. I mean, that's that's for Matthew because yeah. it's not Diana. No. God accepts your explanation. Go forth and sin no more. Right. Because he even talked about the sharing of the blood is a sin. He called it a sin, like Angela said. So I think all of this was for Matthew's behalf, not so much Diana's. She was reckless this time well, with the way she just blurted everything out. It's not even her religion, you know. No. So yeah. it's like the highest ranking person, you know, in the room. That's not even your religion. Yeah. It's like in one ear, out the other. Okay. God's watching me. I got it. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so when they walk out and this kind of confused me a little bit and Matthew's like oh you were being reckless and Diane explains I was buying us time and then Matthew's like oh but you're brilliant yay and I was like no no you were right at first Matthew she was kind of reckless because she wasn't thinking about how this would play out and she just got lucky well mm. that's him I see you he's pointing to his eyes pointing to her eyes <laughs> I, yeah. I see you I see myself in that move <laughs> yeah <laughs> So now we have the church scene oh, I love this. with kids. I love this so much. Matthew was all praying. And Kit's like, let's have fun, though. <laughs> no, but I love the whole one when he asks, so is God listening? And Matthew's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> let's go have some fun. Let's have fun, though. You know, it's like, yeah, I got your prayer and stuff. But how about you be the old Matthew this time? Work back into your role, though. Old Matthew, I like because I don't like this new guy. <laughs> yeah. That's what it felt like from Kit. Hi, guys. Val here with an editor's note. Just to let you know, in the next few minutes here, I'm going to be saying Sophie a lot. I really mean Susanna. I mean, the clothes should be an indicator, but apparently I couldn't stop myself. So when I say Sophie, just know I really mean Susanna. Yeah, you figure Jean and Angela would have let me know, but they tell me they didn't notice. All right. So enjoy the rest of the show. Val out. Diana, meanwhile, is talking to Sophie. She found her in the street. She's like, hey, come to my house. Matthew's out. And I guess she was convinced because we're in Matthew and Diana's house. And she was directed to take this egg and put it in the bowl. And Diana's like, uh, but and Sophie's like, no, no. (laughs) If you can't fucking do this, then you are lame. You're lame. Okay, just lame. And and she's like, we're not going to start going through the whole catalog of spells. Which ones you know? Which ones you not know? No, no. Just do do the thing I said. Yeah. (laughs) So the egg in the chick scene, she pretty much accelerates the chick's gestation and we watch it floating in the air and the thing starts glowing and we see the blood vessels and we don't strictly for TV. We don't know what she's thinking, but the shit's happening. There's Mm -hmm. some magic and we're like, okay, but she told her to put it in the bowl, though. So is it going to wind up in the bowl? No, it winds up being a chick that is hatched and Sophie has seen enough. She's going to talk to Goody also. 
gossip. She's going to call her, say, hey, girl, I seen some shit. You need to see this shit. Peep. We learned that uh, Goody Alsup is England's most powerful witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, this thing, the scene jumps all over the place. Okay, so next scene. Matthew's on the town. <laughs> We're in the lamb. Yay! Yes, we are. <laughs> Playing cards. Kit's there. You got a guy stripping. I guess they're playing some kind of strip poker, but no. He's just giving the shirt off his back because he's run out of funds. Yeah. And there was somebody else there, too. (laughs) The shirt off his back. Why not? A fair bit. Very well. Oh, a raise. A big raise. I have nothing left. <laughs> Yuri, if you please. Oh, kids. I mean, it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> the messenger guy, Burley's guy, is like, he, he shows up. I know it's the messenger guy because of the hat he's wearing. I'm like, okay. This <laughs> and is, he was just a total douche. This is uh, Burley's guy, right? And mm. he's like, dude, get in the tower and get that confession. Get to step into the tower and right. get the confession out of this guy which kind of like destroyed the mood from the bar or the tavern or pub or whatever you want I to like him when he plays laid back relaxed playing poker with dude who's stripping oh he was so much fun yes right? they were both so much fun I think they had a lot of fun in that scene and right. then he won back Matthew's earrings so he could be more like the old Matthew I yeah. love that so much I liked that Matthew's like I'm just letting the anticipation grow he I you know I want him to yeah. think about me coming to visit him in the hour this is all part of the strategy burley's messenger Mm -hmm. so get off my ass about it right yeah and and once again and then here comes kit being the voice of reason again matthew's like yeah i'll get to the guy in the tower soon enough whatever Uh, so he's like kit let him have the shirt off his back and i'm like Okay. <laughs> this whole Let game, keep a shirt. I, I don't know what they were playing, but it looked like a fun game. I'm, I'm yeah, game for and it. Matthew Good yeah. did a great job at a mildly intoxicated Matthew Royden. <laughs> yes. It was good. He was a bit gleeful. I liked that. Yes. Made me feel good. I mean, just relax instead of the, I mean, I love the intensity of it all, but it's nice to have a palate cleanser. Yes. Yes. Kit and Matthew are talking about the future and Kit wants to know about his future. Mm-hmm. Matthew's like, nah, bro, <laughs> no one needs to know about this. And Kit's like, yeah, get your butt in the tower if you know what's good for you. So mm-hmm. get to getting. Well, and what was so funny is that first he's like, do you still write verse? Mm-hmm. You know, tell me about your future self. You know, do you write verse, read philosophy? And then he's kind of like disappointed that Matthew reads science. It was interesting to me the way that he read Matthew and in his monologue to Diana recalled it. And we said he's kind of prophetic. And then in this particular scene, he said, you know, maddening visions is a part of me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that line. Don't ignore Cecil. So I don't know whether he ignored Cecil or not. But the next time we see him, he's back home. Matthew's reading letters and Diana's looking at Matthew's desk and she's looking at the Malleus Maleficarum. Which I thought was bold, just like to pick up stuff off his desk. Yeah. (laughs) letters and stuff it's like wow yeah we get a little bit testy and matthew's like you know about this uh witch thing this uh this book so there's Mm -hmm. a little back and forth there and matthew's like okay let me finish reading and diana's like fine oh by the way i found a witch teacher no big deal but yeah then that's the end of that yeah Yeah. (laughs) so now we're at goody all sips and matthew it seems like matthew's not welcomed in but he managed
manages his way in. Goody's letting Diana know that she is a weaver. And she's like, whoa, what? Really? Okay. I'm a weaver. Cool. And Matthew's like, I've never heard of them, so they don't exist. Whatever. I've been around a long time, and yeah, I've never met one. Are you sure? I love, though. Basically, she blamed it on her neck, but she's like, Matthew, sit down. Yeah, Yeah, that was the best. My neck doesn't turn that way anymore. Yeah. Just sit down. Please sit down, Matthew Royden. My neck doesn't bend that way. I love it. And I loved it. It was such a seamless info dump here, too. Right. I mean, it didn't feel like one, but it certainly was one. We question, like, okay, for me, I can only speak for myself at this point. I'm questioning whether Satu knew that she was a weaver. Diana, she saw extra stuff in her in season one. She saw some kind of power in her. She recognized Mm -hmm. some kind of power in Diana and Mm -hmm. wanted to know more. So I don't think Satu knew exactly what to call it, but she knew Diana had something in her that was greater or equal Mm -hmm. to her. Well, and when she freed Meridiana, she Mm -hmm. said, thank you, Weaver. So she knew she was trying to put all the pieces together, but she she has got Mm -hmm. the pieces, but she doesn't know what to do with them. Goody's noticing, hey, you know, a witch was probing into you and Diana's like, yeah, maybe she knew and that's when I started questioning myself. Maybe Satu did know. Maybe she mm-hmm. saw more than she's letting on. Yeah. yeah. And Goody knows about Stephen. Stephen was a weaver. And of course, Susanna wants to argue. Oh, they're rarely men. And yeah, we, we yeah. She's being a PETA. Yes. So next scene, Diana's making her case to the Reed. The Reed in this was more court-like, I think. Yeah, there was a guy there even. Yeah. Yeah. They're about to turn her down, right? Mm-hmm. Because she will cause attention and by being married to Matthew, who is, of course, a weird enemy of the witches. Right. Goody lectures the coven saying, hey, we've been expecting this chick. And Diana explains she came from the future and the book and life is intertwined in all of this. I am a time spinner. I have come from the future in order to seek out a special teacher. I've seen the book of life with my own eyes. The first grimoire. Yes. I don't understand how my magic is connected to it or my purpose once I've come into my power. But I do know this. My relationship to my magic, to Matthew Royd and to the Book of Life, are woven together. One cannot exclude the other. And they all changed their minds just like that. Immediately. (laughs) I was like... There's a lot of faith in that. Well, especially since she now has brought Matthew into this for the, for good. Right. <laughs> We're all intertwined. Me, the book, Matthew, it's all one. And then they're all like, oh, our, our missing witch, our weaver, yay, rejoice. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, it's like I think that was the, the explanation was a victim of maintaining the pacing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's a lot of that going on in this episode. Yeah. The, it's a fast pace, but some of the stuff is like, wow, you guys are all changing, changing your mind on a dime. I mean, Goody didn't plead her case, but I'm, Even so. I'm not that convinced that Goody's all that powerful where she speaks and everybody's like, oh, yes, hug Diana. She's our new savior. You know? Yeah. Well, and the whole thing of it is if Goody was that powerful, they wouldn't have had to go in front of the Reed and plead her case. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I was saying the previous scene, Susanna's the one that spoke up and said, that's great, Goody, but we still have to consult the Reed. Right. Reed has been consulted and they're on board. <laughs> in the yeah. end, in the end. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So now we're with Matthew and Father Hubbard. And more cloak porn. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to, you know. Yes. Father Hubbard intercepts him in the street, from what I re- remember. Yes. About Caldwell. We saw this, this scene in the in the trailer where yes, they, we did. like, 
mm-hmm. in the middle of the street kind of but like, this is this is once again dun, dun, dun. how the trailer manipulates what the viewer into what they're, they're they think that they're seeing because they you see hubbard you see diana and matthew and it's really not it's just matthew right yes uh, the witch in the tower the one that uh, matthew's supposed to get his confession from hubbard knows about all of this and he confronts him he's like look what are you doing here um he's innocent hubbard threatens a request to philippe and Matthew brushes him off. And I was just oh, like, Matthew got pissed. Yeah, he did. But he brushed oh, yeah. him off like on the street right there in front of Hubbard. He was like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> but the next thing we see is Matthew like freaking the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> Pacing, <laughs> talking to himself. And I loved how he, the whole sequence is how he brushed off Father Hubbard because it was like he was very OG Matthew. Yeah. Yes. And then I was like, good day. Good day. He reminded me of that damn otter meme. Good day, sir. I say to you, good day. I say good day. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. And then he's like, I ain't, I ain't afraid of my father. And then all of a sudden he freaks out. He's freaking out. He's like, oh, God. He's going to tell my dad. What the fuck? You know? Oh, shit. So the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the Matthew we're in Matthew's secret office again and Kit's there trying to calm him the fuck down a tangled mess Hubbard expects me to to free Thomas Cooper shush, shush. demands that I extract a confession from him and put him to death contact Philippe it can influence this situation in untold ways no if my father finds out about Diana then everything will become undone everything take my counsel Take my counsel. He's all giving advice. And the next thing we know. He, he was like, Matthew Royden was never. He's telling him how to be Matthew Royden. Yes. It's like he was never cruel for sport, yes. but he was yeah. ruthlessly efficient. Exactly. And I love the way Tom Hughes said that. So <laughs> be Matthew Royden. <laughs> flash to him snapping the guy's neck yeah. in the tower. And we're like, oh, OK, I guess that's. Well, that was ruthlessly efficient. I so. guess that happens. To take, <laughs> take him literally. So now he's back in the office, his little office. And I'm thinking to myself, if all of this was going on behind the scenes, no wonder Matthew was a little bit testy. You know? Yes. Yeah. He's entitled to be testy. Right. <laughs> Hard day at work, for sure. <laughs> Good grief. But Diana's so understanding. Yeah. Well, she's like, yeah, I can train. And Matthew's all brooding. And she's kind of oblivious to all the shit he's going through. She's not even like, oh, my God, what's going on? Do you have a bad day at the office, honey? Right. And yeah. he's not sharing. So Diana winds up pretty upset about Caldwell's death eventually when he says what's going on because she realized Matthew was indirectly trying to protect her. She, to me, she didn't seem upset. She's like, oh. So it was an act of mercy. And then that was my favorite line of the whole episode. If I were truly merciful, he'd be rolling yeah. down the Thames right now. Yeah. She seemed slightly upset to me. It's like she was kind of being a PETA to me. Mm. It's like, <laughs> you're being a little self-absorbed there, Missy. So meanwhile, Hubbard in his lair is trying. Let's see here. Matthew's explained to Burley what happened. I lost my temper. Hubbard Burley is, was not happy. No. no. And whoops. <laughs> and not believing it. Oops. Meanwhile, Hubbard's like, hey, get this message over to Philippe in another scene like whoa okay that's happening this intercut scene was just like hot mess Matthew has made his appearance right he's in the mm-hmm. house Burley reminds him about the penalties for treason human or creature mm-hmm. and that's where we leave off I mean that's it bam yeah and our closing credits are the man who sold the world ah that's a good episode Ugh, yeah excellent episode all right so those of you weary of spoilers book spoilers you're gonna have to get the hell out <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) 
And we don't uh, mean spoilers as in talking about future episodes. No. Yeah. We're, no, we're talking about spoilers. Just the books. If you don't want book spoilers, now's your time to say goodbye. We'll say goodbye to you. We'll talk to Bye-bye. you next week. Mwah. And there's your demon kiss from Jean. And now, after this break, for the rest of you, we'll go into the spoiler zone. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact. And all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there. Fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela alive. All right, Jean. What you got? Oh, what do I got for my first spoiler zone? Yeah, two things. And I finally am able to articulate from last episode's spoiler zone what bug, what was really bugging me is the way that show Matthew, hmm. they put a spotlight on Matthew's Catholicism and in the same swath, they have him trivializing his own faith by mm, selling yeah. out Catholics and stuff. That really bothers me because that's kind of the essence of book Matthew is the fact that he's very much a creature of his time, which is 6th century France, which means he is like a very, very staunch rule-following Catholic. Mm-hmm. And the thought that he is so cavalierly selling out other Catholics to move this plot along bothers yeah. me. Okay. Right, right. I mean, the Catholic he is believes your actions directly affect on your entry to heaven. Yes. So, yes, he does a lot of other things and, you know, kills people. But to do that deed is unbelievable to sell yeah. Catholics. To condemn other followers to death merely because of their fate. That's a huge problem. But then again, when we're dealing with the show and the pacing and the fact that they've seemed to have built up this animosity and kind of competition between he and Cecil for the Queen's ear. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, they kind of both worked together to keep her from, like, losing her shit most of the time. Right. Because, right. I mean, in the books, the two of them really tag team her to keep her expectations manageable and whatnot. But here... They just don't want to deal with her. Burley is treating him as a usurper and trying to, like, eliminate him from the picture, mm. which I think is very, very different from the books. It sets up Cecil as an antagonist rather than just kind of a secondary character. Because I didn't seem the same way in the books. Neither did I. I saw him as, look, shit's getting dicey and I'm going to hook you up this one time, but you need to get your shit straight, okay? Mm-hmm. This seemed like... I'm setting you up to fail. Right. You're going to do this thing and I don't care what it takes, but we need to shut this shit down totally. And if you don't do it, then 
oh, well, <laughs> you'll get charged, too. So what also struck me early on in this episode is like, it seems to me that the task that old school Matthew was doing before he yeah. stepped out of time was he was there more in Barrick and in Scotland on Burley's instructions using the witches as a pawn to stir up shit with King James, which to me, I'm kind of questioning whether that was even necessary at that stage of Elizabeth's reign. And maybe one of our listeners who has more background on that particular segment of her reign can chime in in a discusser email and help us out. Hey, Stephen. <laughs> And address that, but it's it's not setting well with me. Hmm. Okay, I don't know. I feel like Burley has obviously a, a much larger role in the TV show, but I feel like he's a proxy. I mean, he is a proxy for Elizabeth and doing a lot of the dirty work. One, I think, to keep his own head on his shoulders. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then two, just because we, the viewer's not going to see Elizabeth talking to Matthew this way, her shadow. No. Kid does have a point. It's like, uh, keep your head. Don't get killed. You need to get back into your old self. And this just tells me his old self was complying, was doing all these things. And his new self is very <laughs> hesitant and not acting right. Really uh, is a few lines away from telling Matthew to eat a Snickers. You're just yeah. not yourself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this all just comes back to the whole, oh, my God, kiss voice of reason. I yes. It. Yeah. Yes. So, Angela, what do you have? It's just again the pacing I love bringing so many things that are in the middle of the story forward yes. I, it just makes sense it's not disjointed at all Mary Sidney's appearance early in the second episode is amazing We none of us expected mm-hmm. it and there she was and yes. then to look so much like Mary Sidney mm-hmm. um, but every scene is abbreviated but not in a bad way you don't lose anything no yeah and, and, and the fact that we brought Goody also forward the way we did as well and then the way they kind of made a reference to what was going on in Oxford mm-hmm. and tied yes. that into the Garlicite coven with Mr. Caldwell. Yeah. I mean, that was shades of what was going on with Diana and Reverend Ifley and everybody else because Widow Beatdown went and <laughs> narked on her along right. the kit. Yes. <laughs> right. And I, I like that it's all connected because, you know, we see Hubbard mm-hmm. laying Caldwell to rest right there in his own chambers. He's like, you know, this is part of my family. So that's good. I think it ties all the characters together. I think in the books, it all seemed separate, disjointed events. Yes. There were vi- vignettes almost. Like, yes. Boom, we're here. Oh, we're there. And like the, even the big sections of how the books, how we move from like Oxford to London mm-hmm. to Septour mm-hmm. to Prague, back to London. I mean, they were all like very delineated mini stories. Yeah. In a way. And that's and because here, that's how Diana saw them mm-hmm. as not at all connected. But as us being omniscient, we're able to see the whole thing and how they yes. connect to each other. So. Mm-hmm. I like that about this. And also going to see Hubbard was just a Matthew and Diana thing. I kind of miss the whole crew just getting in the boat and going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with with the, the cloaks all the same. Right. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and chiding Matthew like, you know, you're never good with the tides. And <laughs> yes, yes. And Matthew, I mean, Diana was stumbling on the cobblestones to keep up and <laughs> with her, yeah. you know, with and the graceful vampires like five yes. feet ahead of her. She's like, come on, wait, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> 
So look at what we know so far from season one and season two, as far as creatures, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the vampires seem bold and forceful and come from a place of power, Witches seem wise and they have these, you know, otherworldly powers. But then the demons, everyone overlooks the demons. And who are the freaking voices of reason? Hamish, Agatha, Kit, uh, Kit. Exactly. Listen to yeah. them. <laughs> Listen to the other. They know what they're talking about. I mean, you know why? I'm, because they have a lot of time to observe, too. And they've been yeah. other their whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Being on the outside looking in, you notice a lot more than if you're in the thick of things. I also like that the read was more of a court style presentation this yeah. time. I appreciated that. It was simple and to the point versus the books. It seemed God, like it dragged on in the books because they were visiting. From they here were to visiting there to everywhere. Yeah. All of them came to visit hers separately. And then we still had to wait on the results. And Goody's like, yeah, they've accepted you. <laughs> So I liked it was just then. You know what I did miss? And it's not important. And I didn't. It's not a centerpiece of the show. But I liked when each of the witches, the water witch, she had like aqua colored gown on. And her eyes were aqua. And then oh, the, yeah. the fire yes. witch had red hair. I love that they highlighted that in the books. And it didn't happen in the show. And the and elements. It's not, and, yeah, it's right. not material. But I liked it. It's good. And it helped you with your imagination, too, mm-hmm. in the books. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that it was more court style. And I like Satu demanding answers of her mother and their parallel journeys. I love that. Finally. Let's see mm-hmm. what the hell's going on with Satu. It's set up that way. It's set yes. up exactly as a parallel journey. Satu's going some, through some shit. Diana's going through some shit. It just happens we care about Diana more because of the romance and whatever. But, you know, Satu might have a yeah. little boyfriend, too. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes That's me want to see a spinoff on Satu. Her life. What's going on oh, with yeah. her? You know? I don't know. My big thing is I just love Tom Hughes because his facial expressions, because there is so much side eyeing and eye roll. You know, you get the literal and figurative eye rolls when Matthew's saying something stupid and they cut to him and he's just like, what are you saying, dude? Mm-hmm. He always has that incredulous look on his face. And then you've got Henry and uh, Walter just kind of like feeding Matthew's idiocy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. And for Kit, he didn't like, I don't get the sense that he doesn't like Diana in the show. It's just he didn't like that she was a witch. And then Matthew's with the witch all of a sudden. And I don't get the sense that he doesn't like Diana at this point. No, no. I get the sense that he doesn't like the fact that they're being so cavalier and she is putting him at risk Mm, and making him do things and distracting him. Yes. Because he keeps coming back to the whole you need to act. And I don't think it's because it's like you need to act like the old Matthew just because that old Matthew liked me more. I mean, he sincerely means that, dude, wake up. You need to start taking care of your shit. Right. Agree. And I also think with Kit, and this is where we're going to get the break eventually with him, mm-hmm. with Diana, where he's harboring the thought that maybe Diana is making him do all this stuff. And he's not absorbing the thought that he, Matthew, the new Matthew, is actually taking these steps in order to save Diana and whatever. And that's why Kit's coming in and saying, you need to snap out of this shit. You need to yeah. get back to who you were because yeah. this new guy is not working out for me or anybody in this situation. So or, yeah, the new guy's not even working out for Matthew because it's creating him more problems than solving them. Right. Yeah. At least with Burley. Yeah. I think kid is thinking little picture, which is important. You need to think little yeah. picture in the in the near term, but he, he can't see beyond the little picture to the big picture. Right. Of what's going on. And that's mm-hmm. eventually where shit's going to go wrong mm-hmm. in the TV show. I also wanted to bring up taking the show as the show and the book as the book. And that's important for us, especially. Yes. Because mm-hmm. the show is based on the books. 
we have to separate them as entities. Mm-hmm. And this is a reminder for us, a reminder for our audience. That's why we have the spoiler zone. So we can talk about the differences and disparities and say, OK, but this is the show. So now we need to concentrate on the show. But it is fun to compare the two, you know hey, why did they make this decision versus this decision? I see pacing. It makes more sense. And it's good, I think. And it makes, and I'll I'll be honest with you, a lot of the changes we've seen in the first two episodes have made, I think has made this far more enjoyable to watch because we're not doing that really slow, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like that slow wind up, yeah. you yeah. know, slow walk out of what everything's going on. I mean, yeah, I miss more fun with School of Night, but seeing the cast and seeing how they decided to change it. I wouldn't want to go back to the old way on screen because I think I would be bored. Oh, yes. Especially lately. I have the attention span of a gnat. So, <laughs> oh, so, true. Well, so true. And imagine yeah. if, if there was a George Chapman and a Thomas Harriet. That would just been overkill on the show. It would been like, really? More people in this you know, little table? Right. I know. And then it's like, wait a minute. You know, when you've got some somebody who's as wonderful an actor as Tom Hughes and then you like split up his time with three other people, that's just dumb. Yeah. That is yeah. just dumb because he and Matthew Good, I mean, just two episodes episodes in and they've had some really shining moments. He's had some had a really great scene with Diana in episode one and then he and Matthew Good in this episode I think they're just wonderful. He is having moments and the relationship between Matthew and Kit that I thought that he was going to have with Walter and right. I'm pleasantly surprised that he's having it with Kit. I'm fine with that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do miss the boys, all of them, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I'd be able to sit through it on the TV show. I I really like the pacing. I like it. And I think if they would have cast a less experienced actor's kit, it might not work either. Yeah, Mm -hmm. true. But I I think they did, the writer's room did a wonderful job exploiting the talents they had available to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, we've got him playing Kit. Let's give him something to sink his teeth into. And I think they've done a wonderful job (laughs) of doing that. I really do. The moment we saw him cast... When it was announced at the con in Cardiff, mm-hmm. we connected to that. We didn't even know why we connected with it, but we're like, yes, this is everything. I could see it. Yeah. yeah. It's because you can look at his picture and say, I can see it. There's all of it. There's the pouty. There's the broody. There's the mad, bad and dangerous. There's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. man. I can't wait till he goes wheels off. Right. Because, you know, at some point in time in this season, he's going to go wheels off and it is going to be a glorious thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bracing myself. It's like, whoa, it's going to be better than cloak porn. I have kind of a suggestion and I just thought of this just now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure our listeners are going to have things to say. And since we're pre-recording this, why don't we open up an episode since, you know, our Christmas episode went so well with Ask Us Anything. Oh, yeah. Why don't we open up an episode where any question or anything, any part of our audience has to contribute about the season, about the season, they can just write us in or I'll even set up a form, fill out yes. a form, and then we can do an episode just based on their thoughts, questions or like anything. It. So I love it. I like that. So let's do that. And I'll set that up for you listeners. And it's just going to be a form. You won't even have to open up your email app. Just fill out the form. And, and I would I would say it can be question, comment, concern. It can be something for the 
you know, the spoiler zone, because maybe we'll even have a spoiler zone of that show, too. Yeah, I like it. Anything about the books, anything about the TV show, how they relate to the books, we can have a spoiler zone or anything you saw on the show that just kind of you questioned or you liked or you didn't like. Or you adored. Or you adored. Yeah. Or actors or anything. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. We'll, we'll have... If you want to gush on our voicemail, please do so because we will play it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I have that in the show notes too. And that's going to be speakpipe.com slant demons discuss. And that'll allow you 90 seconds to spew out what you think and squee away. Squee away if you want. Beep. Exactly. Or if you actually do want to write us an old school email. It's going to be at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com and we have a voicemail number. I got it. So what's our phone number, Angela? It is (laughs) 360-519-7836. Awesome! Yay! Yay! So there's that. So anything else we want to tackle on this episode before we close it out? It was a lot in a good way. It was a lot and it was wonderful. I don't have anything else. I think I've just made more work for us because now we have another episode to produce. (laughs) No, it's good. It's good, though. We want to hear from you guys. I mean, we've been waiting for eight years for this to happen, so we're here. Absolutely. So if there's nothing else, let's say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you all next week. Demons Discuss and Demons Domain are independent and not affiliated with Bad Wolf, Sky One, Sundance Now, and Shudder. Clips of the TV show and soundtrack are used for the purpose of commentary only. The soundtrack is an original score by Rob Lane and the Chamber Orchestra of London. The soundtrack is available for purchase on iTunes. 